0: live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Now this guy's pretty awesome here at Streamsong Resort. Last year we had him on, Tyler Ramsdale. He's the director of recreation because it's more than golf and resort life here at Streamsong. Where we're at uh, here in the state of Florida, if you're not familiar with it, which I bet you are. About a three-hour drive from Jacksonville. And uh, we've been here for a couple of days. And look at Tyler's hat. If you're watching the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, gave him a hat last year. And he didn't just throw that thing in the trunk. Or maybe he did, but he brought it back out. (laughs) That's a.
1: You throw this on, they start biting. That's it. It's your lucky fishing hat. 100%. All right,
0: I just gave you a Dream 18 hat, so you got that one too. Hopefully we can help get some more bites. Um, Tyler Ramsdale, Director of Recreation. And uh, loved having you on last year. And I think it's maybe the best-kept secret about Streamsong Resort. We think golf. I live in a golf world, got a lot of golf buddies. But when we had you on, it was fascinating last year to learn about what else you have, including some of the best bass fishing, really, in the state and probably the southeast.
1: Yeah, for sure. Arguably in the world. Um, I'm trying to change that, kind of get fishing more in the forefront and match up to our golf level. Yeah, it's honestly some of the best fishing in the world. For example, this morning, two guys, we went three hours, caught 30 fish, and one was 10.7 pounds, absolute giant of a a bass. And uh, that's kind of how it has been the last couple weeks as well. So it's just been phenomenal fishing.
0: I was going to say, is is this a good time of year? Is there a better time of year? Are they biting right now?
1: Uh, it's not a bad time of year. It's once it, The first cold front, they kind of get turned on. But uh, we were off for three months, so that three-month layoff really turned the fishing on. So once I was back July 1st, it's been full speed ahead. It's kind of like winter fishing, which is the best time of year. But, yeah, every trip's been catching 10-plus fish, which is awesome in two hours. And, you know, we're topping 20, 30 fish uh, most of the time.
0: Wow, that's pretty awesome. I know some guys that are down here as well, uh, and, and I talked to them. They had caught a handful just going out for like 45 minutes. Uh, so it's it's a popular spot it's a great spot it's not just fishing but another thought or two on fishing because i know in Jacksonville we're obviously such a great fishing area and how many folks just come for the fishing for some of the recreation it's a resort you don't have to love golf to come over to stream song but you can experience this side of it and if you do experience this side of what's like you're going on tour i think or or a a little expedition in the next uh, 20 minutes what's that like
1: Yeah, so I got a 5 o'clock, three people this afternoon, and uh, usually it's typically two hours. Um, Everything's included. We have four boats. We just added an awesome new pontoon boat, perfect for a group of four golfers, and uh, we have everything ready for you. You know, we have all the rods. Every trip has a guide with you. So um, we take people who've never fished before, and funny enough, those are always the ones that catch the big fish. I don't know what it is, but first time people are like, oh, I caught an 8 or 9 pounder, and I fished my entire life, and only caught maybe 4 or 5 over 8 pounds, and their first day they catch one over 8. It's awesome to see their reaction. And, and I just try to hit home with them like that's a fish of a lifetime. Like I've gone 3,000 days and only caught five like uh, in of eight pounds or higher. So it's cool to see this lake is blessed with big fish and it's catch and release. And uh, our guides take really, really good care of the fish. And, you know, we don't keep them. So um, we want future generations to come out and, and keep fishing.
0: That's awesome. Uh, 10.7 you mentioned this morning. I think I probably asked you this last year. I have a good memory. It's just short. What's the biggest one you've seen caught?
1: Our lake record 14 pounds, absolute giant. And uh, we've seen some bigger ones get off that have broken the line near the boat. So there's some 15, 16s out there easy.
0: Wow, how about that? Uh, you know, you just said that, and I bet some folks in Jacksonville listen to ESPN 690 just kind of did a U-turn and said, I'm leaving right now for that spot.
1: <laughs> Open this weekend, so come on down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Check it out, StreamSongResort.com. Tyler Ramsdale with us, uh, Director of Recreation. And it's more than that, though. The yeah. skeet shooting. Give us what else you have here. Again, it's more than golf and more than fishing.
1: Sure, yeah. So, you know, world-class bass fishing. We also have an awesome sporting clay course. And sporting clays is actually the golf of shooting sports. Um, So it's like golf. You go hole-to-hole. And sporting clays, you go station-to-station. So currently, we have 12 stations out there. Um, By the end of next year, we hope to get 18. Uh, Since we are a golf resort, try to mirror have 18 holes, and I can make a scorecard just like golf. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. So you can come golf in the morning, have a great lunch, and then come out and do some skeet shooting or bass fishing in the afternoon, you know, it makes for a perfect day out here.
0: Absolutely, and the weather's uh, kind of in the prime time yeah, right that, now. It's
1: not super hot, you know, and it's, which is good for fishing and golf and sporting clays and archery. You know, the, the heat of the summer, we're kind of past that. We're coming into the perfect time of the year where the rest of the country north of us are getting snow, and we're 70s, perfect golf weather. Like, it's a, it's a good time to be down here.
0: I think I joked with uh, you last year about this, but it's just such a cool title, Director of Recreation. I mean, your
1: buddies, your family
0: must be like... What the heck is that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got blessed to, to get this job, no doubt about it, and it's very tough to leave. I don't know if I can do another job after <laughs> that because uh, I'm in my dream job, don't plan to go anywhere, and uh, hopefully stay here for many years to come. Uh,
0: on top of that, I somebody was telling us that some of your staff actually went to fish in college. Yeah. Right. And, and so like I didn't honestly I didn't know that existed like uh, we're, we talk a lot about college sports and whether it's baseball or football and college scholarships and now we talk about esports and video games but I don't know why I wasn't aware that uh, some of the schools uh, I'm assuming mostly in the in the south
1: yeah. have fishing it's growing um, for sure a lot of high schools are adding it now. Um, there's a good junior bass level, but yeah, college is it's, it's big time. Like it's on televised event for the championship. Um, it's some of your best anglers in the world come out of your college circuit. It's, it's huge, yeah. And, and uh, two of my guides fished in college, Polk State, right up the road, and they're great anglers, really good guides. Um, so you know, I have some of the best guides probably in the industry out here. You know, to put you on some of the big, bigger fish you'll ever see.
0: That's awesome. Tyler Ramsdale with us, uh, director of recreation here at stream song Resort. Uh, we got some wind blowing, and you can feel it coming through the doors. You can. See See it out here. Our view is of uh, one of the, uh, would you call it a lake, pond? Yeah,
1: yeah. Little Can Pain Creek. Either? Little Pain Creek, technically, but it is it is for sure a lake. It's about 100 acres of water, um, and one of the best spots in the whole lake. We can't see it but there's, we're literally looking right out at the lake, and there's two trees right here, a lot of big bass hangouts. So we catch a lot of the fish early morning right here. Yeah, very cool. That's a good sell point for me, too. You come out having a coffee, see us catching a nice six, seven-pounder. Yeah, I book more trips every time, so I fish a lot of time That's right awesome. here. <laughs> what time do you go out? What's your real issue going? We're sunrise to sunset, so right now it's right about 7. Wow. Seven, and we'll go till dark, 7, 7.30. Hey,
0: Coos, is uh, Austin back in the saddle over there? Is he done uh, no, he eating did. his lunch? Uh, it, it, because uh, Tyler won't be able to hear him. He doesn't have headphones on, but Tyler is not only wearing the hat of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, but Austin. He wants you to come. He's like, I said. Well, he's not really a golfer. He makes fun of me every time I golf. He said, well, he don't have to be. He can come clay shooting, fishing, and he also said, Austin, yep. that he'll he'll uh, be your glove man. Anytime you want, man. Be my oh, like hold, hold the mitts for me. you mean? Yeah, okay, you. Like, like he brought that up. Okay. Well then, sold, man. Let's go, Brent. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> well, you now have it. We might have to wait till next year. Yeah, but, there you go. <laughs> uh, you have some buddies that do it. You
1: say? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Sean Lally uh, did. Uh, was on the. U- I think he was actually at the same time as you at the. Uh, I think it was the UFC kind of getting you into it. Yeah, Sean yeah. Wiles Lally is a good friend of mine. Grew up with him and uh, was his, was his glove man for a long time. Worked out with him, but uh, yeah, I think you probably may have heard of him. Or we oh, at the no, same of camp course, man. Time. Absolutely. Yeah, he's it's a he, small
2: world.
0: Yeah, he's saying he has. Again, Tyler doesn't have headphones on. Oh, but that's uh, right, yeah. It's, uh, Austin, speaking of that, I, I said to Tyler, I was like, hey, man, what about the belt? You just won a, a, match, a f- match, a fight uh, a couple weeks back. Has yeah. the belt come in yet?
2: Belt has not come in yet. I'm not sure if it's coming from overseas where it's taken a <laughs> while. I'm not sure what's going on right now, but I have not received the belt yet. And you better believe someone's going to get a phone call because of it.
0: Alright, uh, Tyler Ramsdell, Director of Recreation here at Streamsong Resort Inviting Austin Lane out here to Streamsong A little bass fishing, a little clay shooting And um, hopefully not big enough to fish I mean,
2: Brett, well I'm going to be honest, man I can foresee like me go playing golf And then like at the same time we're hitting mitts Like, you know, but between the shots or whatever like that yeah. So we're we
0: kind of like the best of both worlds You do, you have the best I mean, you're shooting, you're fishing, you're hitting mitts And uh, he said he's got a boat big enough for you Done, uh, I'm definitely in, man all right, uh, Tyler, man, good luck. Good uh, great you. to see you again. Thanks for wearing the yeah, hat. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank we you. We appreciate it.
0: Have a good day out there today. Appreciate it. as you out. head out. Uh, that is Tyler Ramsdale, director of recreation here at Streamsong Resort. He's a good dude. Uh, a lot of fun. And hey, what a gig, huh? Isn't that yeah. kind of a cool, cool, cool job? I, I think that's people have fun jobs sometimes. We have fun jobs, no doubt about it. But that is a fun job. You take people around, and you fish, and shoot in clays. But specifically to fishing, like I've fished before, but I'm not a big fisherman. Uh, and I don't know much about it. But when we've gone, it's awesome. And when you catch something, it's awesome. There's a rush to that. So to Absolutely. see people, whether it's kids or adults, uh, families out there, uh, I think that would be the coolest thing. And uh, you're getting paid to do it. Not a bad gig.
2: Not at all. Actually, one of my really good friends, um, he was a... Uh I guess, like, he was a, a commercial boat captain up in Alaska, and he did, like, the fishing trips there. So I, I know all about that work, man. And, um, you, you work some pretty long hours, obviously, but it's pretty rewarding as well.
0: Yeah, like, that, uh, that sounds almost dangerous, though. Like, isn't there a danger to that?
2: Not, not, not so much like the salmon fishing. I mean, like, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking of. Like, you're thinking of, like, deadliest, deadliest catch. catch. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite that aggressive, but, um, but you, you have to be alert, right? Because things can happen out there, and especially when you're working 20 hour days, so. Yeah, you have to be very mindful.
0: Yeah, I think that's a wild uh, because where I grew up in New England, a lot of uh, my family had grown up uh, near the water, uh, not about half hour from where we were in East Providence, but they were up in like the Narragansett area. And uh, there's a little fishing town called Galilee. Okay. And uh, that's what they do. You know, that's that's how people work and earn a living. And even though I was only a half hour away from it, I was like they do you know like i never really fully understood it sure until you start watching shows and like the deadliest catch and obviously it's, it's not that but it can be very dangerous you get nor'easters and all those things up in new england uh but very interesting to when i moved to louisiana and learned a little bit more about like people worked on the oil rigs right and yeah. so i uh, i think those jobs are man it's a hard work job can be dangerous jobs uh and uh, just a an interesting profession to me.
2: You, you know, you, you're not lying. Um, you know, it takes a special type of person, right? It's it's that blue collar worker, like. So m- my friend who used to work, you know, captain those boats up in Alaska. I mean, he'd be gone obviously for the whole summer. Yeah. Um, that'd be the time. But now he's, you know, he he's past that, and now he's got a family and everything like that. So it's definitely something, man. Where I think like. I, I encourage people to try that because it's so different and you do the exact same thing. But, like, as far as making a career out of it, that takes a really special person uh, just because of the, the schedule and the, the time you are away from your home.
0: By the way, people listening to this probably like, oh, well, you don't know. I don't know a lot about it. I just know. They're also very high-paying jobs, I believe. Like you can, because you're working all the time. No, for so sure. So like, as long as business is good, especially in the fishing industry, but like those oil rig jobs, I really believe. That, I think they make a good amount of money. No, for
2: sure. It. I mean, like with those fishing jobs, like obviously if you're a captain, you're making really good money. But even because like you know, to start out as a, to get it, to be a captain, you have to start as a deckhand. And I've had like three or four friends that worked as deckhands in Alaska on. Uh, different boats or anything like that and literally you know they would work for the whole summer but they would make enough money that you know that they'd be good for the whole year so like you literally bust your butt for you know two three four months and then you can come back home and you're set for the year so i mean it's kind of a give and take situation
0: it just depends how hard you want to work isn't that still it's one of the most fascinating things i think when you ask people and the golf course is a great place for it of course uh fishing is too there are a lot of people that congregate and fishing or heck just going to the bar can be like this but what do you do Right. And yeah. and it's wild. Uh, like we had uh, people out there golfing today and, and some of the caddies that were out there. Uh, he played baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays organization for 11 years from mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic, Winston Guerrero. And uh, he's related to uh, and I don't know how roundabout away Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, cool. Uh, down there in the Dominican. And uh, he also was telling us just a story, like when Derek Jeter came out here. This is going to be a good story. You'll like this, okay? Okay. See if it reminds you anything. Okay. So he's telling us this story. He's like Derek Jeter comes out with Tino Martinez. Okay. And they're playing golf, and he's caddying for them. And uh, a lady comes up and notices Derek Jeter. And she says, hey, do you mind taking a picture? (laughs) Of course. And so – she, he says, no problem. Yeah. Jeter, I guess, was very nice the whole day, and said no problem. And so she hands the phone yep. and the camera yep. to Tino Martinez, yep. a former Yankee great. This is this is me every <laughs> single time I go to Sawgrass, <laughs> and, and Brett Martineau makes an appearance.
2: That is literally uh, me every single time. Kids, <laughs> adults, doesn't matter, man. Oh, it's Brett Martineau. Got to get his picture. <laughs> it reminded me of exactly oh, that man. story. Oh
0: yeah. Hey, On a totally different you, level. Uh, you know what,
2: though, man? Uh, uh, it's the most important thing, man. And no matter how big you think you've made it, sometimes those moments could humble you. So I'm super thankful I, for those I think, moments.
0: I think since then, though, I've had to return the favor a little
2: you, bit. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to call you out put you on blast or anything. I think you've returned the favor a couple <laughs> times. But to be fair, though, you've also offered to return the favor. Like, hey, you know, you used to play with the Jake Horse. You want a picture? So I appreciate you boosting my ego up a little bit when you can.
0: I, I always think it's one of the great things about golf. And, and again, there's other things like this. I mean, you go to a bar at, at night and, and you see all, the, hear all these stories and you meet these people and just, uh, it's the cool, I, I've always, I've never minded being the guy that joins a foursome in golf. Mm. Because you kind of know you're going to get an interesting story along the way from sure. Now You might get bad golfer, good golfer. But usually along the way, you're going to find out something different. That's kind of what happened with us today uh, with this caddy. Uh, Winston, he was fantastic. But, uh, of course, we got talking a little bit of baseball. And speaking of baseball, Rays Dodgers, did you catch any of it? Are you even interested? Because, in, listen, let's be honest, you're not, like, You're a Milwaukee guy. I'm but I don't I don't guy. think you're like, like, I'm a big baseball guy. Yeah. You're a casual baseball guy that likes the Brewers and knows a lot about baseball. Yeah. Um, which is still, I, I tell people all the time, when we started the show, I was like, all right, we're going to get a lot of football talk. He played AAU uh, at a pretty high level in basketball. He likes the NBA, knows the NBA. Yep. Uh, we're not going to get much golf out of him. That's okay. I, I, I can cover that. <laughs> it is much it is, like is. Yeah. I'm not going to talk much MMA and wrestling. Yeah. He can handle that. I got you. Yeah, I got you there. And baseball is like, I got baseball. He doesn't need to do much on baseball. We're not going to talk a lot of baseball in the show. Yeah. But then. When we started talking baseball, like, you know baseball. Like, oh, you yeah, like baseball. Yeah. You yeah. love baseball. Listen, I I enjoy the, the game of
2: baseball for sure. It's probably really the for, first sport I've grown up playing was, you know, T-ball. So, like, I definitely have a passion for, for Major League Baseball. It's just, like, when your team's not in it, like, you're
0: kind of bitter a little bit. But, yes, Brent, I, I watched pretty much every single inning last night of that game. Yeah, when, what's interesting about this series to me is, and I don't, I don't, I think the ratings are going to be awful for this. I mean, yeah. Tampa. Tampa may have the smallest fan base of any franchise there is. Like, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it can't be that far off. I mean,
2: like in terms of baseball or in terms of all professional sports? I'm talking all sports. Again, I I always refer to,
0: like, the Florida Panthers, right? The Florida Panthers, I don't even know they. Like, every time I bring up the Florida Panthers, (laughs) I have to Google and make sure they're still in the NHL. Yeah, and I agree with you there. They're by by far the worst. So, I mean, the Florida Panthers are tops on my list of this. Mm -hmm. And I say this with, with, this isn't, I'm not ripping Tampa. I'm just saying that I don't know a lot of Tampa fans. And we live in the state. Like, we live a few hours away, and we don't have a Major League Baseball team. Yeah. So I understand the Braves' affinity uh, over, over here. I, I get it. They The Braves have fans all over the country because they were on TV all the time and uh, TBS Connection, all that. Uh, so I get the Atlanta love, and plus they've been good, and they were good in the 90s. Yeah. But the Rays really don't have anything. And... There are a few. Ty is a big Rays fan. Uh, there, uh, Zach uh, is an editor in in a TV land for us, and he's a big Rays fan. Uh, he also likes the Lightning. Yeah. And, uh, Ty's, one of Ty's buddies, their family, they are Rays fans. And I think a few more Rays fans are coming out of the woodwork, but not a lot. Like, I don't know if many people care about this World Series because, quite frankly, the Rays are in it.
2: Sure. No, and listen, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I think like it's crazy for as successful that the Rays have been seems like the past decade. And listen, and I've been to a couple of Rays games and like, I, I was to a couple of Rays games when they were like, you know, top in the division. And I was just, I was so surprised when I would go, you know, to, to that stadium. And I keep in mind, it's not in the heart of Tampa Bay. It's in St. Petersburg. So it's a little bit of a drive kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but I was so surprised even when, when the, this team was doing so great, the fact that this, the support wasn't really there. And Tampa Bay is obviously a big city and St. Petersburg, is kind of, you know, smaller, but, like, you know, there's people there. And, like, for instance, like, say Milwaukee was doing well. Like, it seems like the whole city, like, rallies behind that team. You know, like, all of a sudden, a Brewer's ticket's, like, the hottest ticket in town. And I just never got that sense um, with with the Rays, and and I think it's really too bad because listen, I would I would kill for the seasons that the, the Rays have had the past decade of just you know winning divisions, going Absolutely. to playoffs, things like that. I think a lot of major league fans would do that. It's just to me, it just you feel bad for that team because they've had so much success, they've done things the right way, and unfortunately, the the, the city that they play in just they haven't reciprocated that by cheering them on. It
0: seems yeah, like. you know, in the South here, it's football, right? Yeah. We get it, we understand it, we live in it, we talk football a lot. We don't talk. Major League Baseball a lot. We try not to divert from football too much because we know people who listen to the show and people who listen to sports uh, in our town really like talking football. College football, NFL football, Jags, all that stuff. We get it. And that's why we do a lot of it. Uh, but it's the same in Tampa to a degree. The lightning have caught fire. When you win that much or at least catch people's attention that much. And hockey has had some success down here to begin with. And you're not asking for 35000 a game. You're asking for 17000 a game. Mm. So I think there's a different feel. It also meets the transplants that come from up north. To say, hey, we like hockey, bam, here they are. There's a little uh, concentration of those folks. Well, the transplants that come from up north, they come down south. They don't have to like the Rays. You know why? Because they like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs. They like all these other teams already. Yeah, There's point. baseball up there. Yeah. And so the Rays are really stuck, one, with an awful stadium anyway. They're in a bad spot in Tampa to begin with. They've always had the lowest payroll. So what gets people excited in off seasons? Hot stove league in major league baseball. Well, big signings. Well, the Rays don't have any of those. Mm-hmm. And, and so they don't have a big fan base at all and a diehard fan base that even appreciates, probably even to the level that I appreciate what the Rays are doing right now because their scouting staff is so good. How they run it, it's so good. Some of their players that people haven't heard of are good. Their manager is excellent. Uh, how they're pulling this off. It's, it, I was thinking of it the other day though. Again, outside of the Florida Panthers, who I have never met a Florida Panther fan. Like, I've never seen a Florida Panther fan. Sure. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody wear a Florida Panther shirt.
2: Yeah, I really I really, no, I really don't. I, and, I, and I'm with you on that one,
0: and, Brent. And so outside of though that team, I don't know if there's another one that I can think of that has a smaller fan base. And I don't want to say irrelevant, because that, that's disrespectful for an organization, if you look at the last few years, yeah. and, it, and now have two World Series appearances in the last 12 years. That's super disrespectful. I don't think they're irrelevant. I just think they have a really small fan base, and if you're going to say, "Hey, Jacksonville doesn't have the biggest fan base," Jacksonville has a heck of a lot more fans across the world than the two franchises I just talked about. Yeah. And by the way, they're part of an NFL machine that just pumps out fans.
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter who you like, where you where you play in the NFL, like you know, you're you're going to be a big thing, regardless if you're winning or losing. Sometimes it seems like as well. So no, I, I think the comparison between the Florida Panthers of the NHL and. Um, you know, obviously the the, the Rays here in MLB, I think it's a, it's a prime comparison.
0: Here's the deal, too. Okay, off that game last night, and you might think this. We picked them. Yeah, I I couldn't pick the Rays to win as much as I'd like to see them sure. uh, in the series. So I got them losing in six. You got them losing in five. And I think across the board, most people would say that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not this guy that says, hey, they looked, uh, they got beat pretty good, eight to three last night. Uh, uh, they got no chance. It's, it's one game. No,
2: no, without a doubt. You know, um, listen, it, it was obviously in the first couple innings, it was a master class of pitching, right? Um, Kershaw, he had his old stuff back. Man, that, what, what is it, the slider that he throws or the, the Oscar? Curve shoot with the curveball. Man, that hey, that's why I never played, bait. like, I didn't make the high school baseball because I couldn't hit a curveball. I, I mean, I can't imagine watching that thing come at you. It's like 10 feet above your head, and then it drops so great. Like, Kershaw obviously got that team started. But what I love, Brent, and you talk about it all the time, it's base running, and to me, Mookie Betts getting a bigger lead on third base because the guy wasn't holding him on. That that was the difference of that ball game. Because remember, I think it was uh, Muncie gets the ground ball, yes. Diaz fields it, goes home. Obviously, Mookie yep. Betts being the game changer that he is, the, you know, the, the, the Jackie Robinson-esque type speed um, goes right home. It gets home, and you know that led to more runs after that. So
0: I like the fact that. That game was really blown open due to good base running. I love, listen, all the folks that love this new age of baseball, I don't not like it. I love the fact, hey, Bellinger, it's a two-run home run. It's a big part of it. Yeah. But also that fifth inning where they broke the game open, you can play both ways is my point. Teams that win big usually do. Houston, the Red Sox the last couple of years, the Nationals, and now the Dodgers. They do the little things, single, 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 walk, walk, grind out at bat, steal a base. And they blow the game open. Not because of the home run ball, but then they add to it with the home run ball. One other thought, man. I mean, I'm not going to pound this home anymore, but how did the Red Sox let Mookie Betts go? Like, how did they let him go? We're not talking about the Rays or the Pirates.
2: Yeah. Well, and listen, you obviously have a better idea than I do, but, like, I think that in terms of money, like, the Red Sox probably have some of the most money in Major League Baseball. So... That's my question to you, Brett. Like, why
0: would you let him go? No, I don't know. But if they had told me we could start a GoFundMe, I would have contributed. (laughs) Brett Brett would have sacrificed his outdoor fireplace for a couple more years of Mookie Betts in Boston. I mean, I'm not mad at the Red Sox stinking this year. I hate the Red Sox right now because Mookie Betts is playing for the Dodgers. Yeah. We'll be back on ESPN 690.
1: Austin
2: Lake. The Rock, out of nowhere, buys the XFL during a pandemic, mind you. Goes half in with his ex-wife. So now you're going to visit with your ex-wife.
0: Brent Martineau. I don't know if that's on the business advice list.
1: Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Football, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's execution. Who uh, can execute more consistently. Um, that's something we're still working on. You know, it is. It's these trials that, you know, produce perseverance, produce endurance. Um, And, you know, there's no shortcut to get there. You know, you don't have uh, all easy times and then everything just all of a sudden, you know, it's just going to work out for you. You know, sometimes you got to go through this kind of, you know, these tough spots. And I think we're growing a lot as a team right now. Um, And I I really do believe that we're going to come out better on the other side of this.
0: Well, that is Gardner-Mitchew. And uh, they charge on against the Chargers on Sunday. That was not intentional. uh, But it kind (laughs) of worked into that. I don't know why I say charge on. Like, I didn't even know why I said it. But I, I, then I was like, "Well, now I, I did say it. I got to, kind of well, got to finish this got, thing off." You
2: got it, because Listen, for, for the two and some years that we've been doing this show, I've never heard you once say charge
0: on. So that's the UCF in me. I got you. I'm a, I'm a closet UCF night fan. Charge yeah, on. You are man. You definitely are. <laughs> it's funny. I, I am like a closet fan of some of these guys. Some of these teams. Sometimes, like uh, like Georgia has that a little bit to me. I get a I get accused of that, but if I'm being real, like, I, I kind of want to see Georgia win a title, you know? And you're surrounded by Gator fans everywhere you go. My kids won. Everybody I work with is one. I don't, like, have any ill will against Gator fans. Okay. But it's just like, all right, I mean, somebody's going to stick up for the dogs over here. And yeah, so, yeah, I, like, I get you. I am like that because every time we do picks, right? Yeah for uh Florida Georgia game, Georgia, Florida game, however you want to say it. Mm. Uh see I still don't say Georgia, Florida all the time, so i I guess I'm not a dog, right? I was gonna but say I've uh when I when I do picks, I like I always pick Georgia because everybody else is picking Florida. Not not everybody, not these recent years, but a lot of times over the course of my dozen years doing this yeah. in Jacksonville, a lot of people are picking Florida. So I'm like, All right, I'll go with the dogs. I'll mix it up a little bit. And even when they weren't that good and uh, if you go back a little bit We went to Athens, like leading up to Florida-Georgia week, which would be next week. Now it will be a week later this year. Mm. We would go on Monday to Athens, and the people up there are fantastic. Like, uh, There's nothing to say they're not in in Gainesville. We go there, we cover them. And really, to be honest with you, at the time, Urban Meyer and and the Tebow thing was such a craze that it was hard to cover them. And uh, go up to Georgia, and they've got some big-time players, too. And Athens was such a cool place. It was a neat place, I thought, uh, and I had never been. And and the folks they really take care of you. Like you're a little old Jacksonville who's never been up to Athens, and they take care of you like you're CBS coming in for the week. I mean, they're really kind of nice. So I kind of had this affinity for them. I certainly don't have a hate for them. I don't love them. I'm not sitting here saying go Georgia every week. Yeah, but there is a little bit like and UCF's a different thing. Like I don't like UCF. I certainly don't not like UCF. But over the years, people have gotten all over UCF, and I've loved the story of the Knights. Like, I think they, for a two-year stretch, were the story in football. Not Alabama, not LSU, not whoever. I think the story in college football for two years was UCF. I I loved what they did. I loved... I didn't necessarily love the national championship thing, but I knew what they were doing. There was a genius about it. And what they did from a marketing standpoint was to keep themselves so relevant that you now know, and if you go to the Midwest, you go to the West, you go to the North, people know UCF. It was a brilliant branding thing that they did at UCF. And it was also little guy against the big guy mm. in college football. And the, See, the, the folks in college football, if you're a traditionalist, which I respect, uh, they don't want the little guy in. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. And so I, I there was, there's always these teams that I kind of like, well, get behind sometimes, and uh, that was a, a long way ago and after I said charge on against the yeah.
2: Chargers. Well, no, let me, let me ask you this though: Who do you think, in terms of college football relevancy, had the bigger impact as the underdog, Boise
0: State or UCF? It's a great call. Okay, uh, I think it's a really good question. Mm. Uh, I think Boise State. Yeah. Well, here's what we are guilty of in all walks of life, but especially in sports. The most recent thing is UCF, and it was big, and it's this social media thing, and people hated it and loved it. The difference between the two, before I answer the question in full, is that there was almost like there's this love-hate with UCF. Yeah. There was never that with Boise State. Boise State was the cute little puppy.
2: True, except for their blue turf, though. I think some people got turned off by the blue. Honestly,
0: I think some people were just like, well, who are you guys with blue turf? Yeah, but they weren't scared of them. Like Boise yeah. State, like Boise State, they're not around. See, I think people are a little scared of UCF. They're in Orlando, a big market. The Big 12 should go get them anyway. I don't know what they've been waiting for, but they could be a player. Hmm. And for a little bit, Florida was down. Florida State's down. Miami's down. And you could make the argument at times, week by week, not necessarily across the board, that they were the best program in the state. Like you, you couldn't do that with Boise State. I think week in week out, because they weren't in one of those states. Like True. so, it didn't come up like that. So there's this love hate with UCF. There's this cute. Oh wow, look at the new kid on the block and the underdog. They they had a little bit of like the 14 seed in the NCAA tournament to them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me the question like you just asked it, which I think is a fantastic question, then I would say I think Boise State impacted college football as a little guy more than anybody has. And and maybe somebody can jump in and give me another example. But Boise State year after year was there. They made you pay attention to the group of 5 now. Yeah. They made you think about Cinderella. They made you think about if you were going to a New Year's Day bowl game and you were Oklahoma, watch out yeah. because Boise State might get you and that's a little embarrassing if you're Oklahoma. And and by the way, their offense was cool. Peterson oh, yeah. was a great coach. They would come up with all these Statue of Liberty, uh, one of them. Uh, I just think they were such a storyline for a while. From a long-term standpoint, I do think they impacted college football and give gave the little guy like UCF more of a chance. But see, they're not the only ones. There was uh, there's Houston, there's Cincinnati. But I think the the team that paved the way for those in college football, I think had to be Boise State.
2: Yeah, you know what, and it's like you said, I mean, obviously, UCF, it's fresher in my mind, right? And one could say, well, they're, they're, they're co-champs of a national championship, you know, regardless of what that banner says. But um, so, like, that's obviously fresh and prevalent in my mind. And from the branding perspective, obviously, right now, UCF is, and granted, it's been a rough year for them right now, but, you know, they've been the hotter name. But I agree with you. I think if you go back to what Boise State was able to accomplish, right? And once again, I mean, that that blue turf was a brand. Whether you're, you liked it or not, whether the rumors of those ducks that were dying on the field because they would come down and, like, dive bomb thinking it's water and then, you know, commit suicide on the field, whether that was true <laughs> or not. I'm not sure that they ever got myth busted or not, but that was kind of the rumor out there. I remember talking about it. Um, and obviously that 2007 Fiesta Bowl, uh, what, when they played Oklahoma – the Statue of Liberty play, you know, pretty much the entire country watching. And I think, wasn't Adrian, was Adrian Peterson playing for that
0: Oklahoma team? I think he might have been oh, playing. Oh, that's so for that. long. Okay. That's so was, long. It was, it was a long, long time ago. It was early two. Uh, right. Wait. That would have been. That would have been early 2000s? Yeah, it was 2006
2: or seven, I think it was. Yeah. Okay, so that's more mid-2000s. Well, I mean, it was like a New Year's Day, but I think 2006 that would
0: have been. Yeah, I, I think was a you're senior right. I high think school. it was 2006. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and by the way, was it, that the same year as the marriage proposal to the cheerleader? Oh, good call. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a fascinating question, and I'm sure we're missing somebody, and we're just focusing on these two programs. But as I say that, I'm not sure we are. You no, know, I mean, listen, you could say... Appalachian State for beating
2: Michigan and like that kind of put like the f c s schools on the map a little bit, and like, hey, so you have to be careful of those you know cupcake games because sometimes they can come back to bite you, but I 'm talking about in terms of rele- relevancy in terms of staying power, I think Boise State takes the cake,
0: yeah, I agree with you and and by the way, i think I think Peterson at that time, and I even thought early on in Washington he hasn't elevated that program to the point where this is now even a conversation. When he was later, like right toward the end of Boise State, making the move to Washington, to me, he was the best coach in the country. I yeah. actually thought he was the best football coach in the country. And I, I know what you're going to say is like, oh, Nick Saban, uh, Urban Mock. No, all but those for people, what he I, was
2: able to tap out of those, those players and that personnel. Absolutely. I agree with you. I
0: do too. And it's, it's a little bit like Mark Fewitt Gonzaga. Yeah. Where he, it was year after year, man. This wasn't just like one thing. Like he built that year after year. You'd think in, in those kind of programs, even if you get on a little run like UCF's been on, you'll take a dip. Yeah. Uh, which maybe they are right now, losing a few games, a couple games. But I just, they changed everything. And, and that's what your question was. Like right. who impacted college football more? And I do think they changed a heck of a lot uh, about college football. What UCF tried to do is take it to another level and tried to change it to the point where, hey, we can play with the big boys, invite us to the dance. And they still weren't able to push that through. It's like, if they could have just got over that edge, which, by the way, I don't think the Power Five was going to let them get over that edge, but they were trying to break that mold. They would have then probably impacted college football even more than Boise State if they were able to do that. I don't think they can. I think if they want to dance with the big boys consistently, the Big 12 is going to have to go get them. So two, uh, you
2: know, kind of stories that I have dealing with Boise State players. Number one, uh, Kyle Wilson, who was in my, he's in my Senior Bowl team. Uh, He's a first-round corner, first-round pick uh, for the Jets, I believe. Kyle Wilson, like, this goes to show you how much Boise State loves their football players. He had, like, they made him, like, a bus. And it was, like, a get-Kyle-Wilson-drafted kind of bus or whatever. They (laughs) drove that from Boise to Mobile, Alabama, and, like, you know, 50, 60 people came to watch Kyle Wilson in, like, that Kyle Wilson decked out bus. The other one, Gerald Alexander, a uh, guy you're yes. a big fan of, Brett. Copy me. Copy me. is obviously, he, he's a former Boise State player himself, and he had no problem letting you know about it either.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, I like Gerald a lot. Oh, yeah. He's now with the Miami Dolphins, by the way. That defense playing really well. Yeah. It's on that coaching staff. I love the question, man. I love when the organic segments come about. That you wasn't where we were it. going. It so all to start started with, fresh, with all, all I have to do is say, charge on against the Chargers. <laughs> and I'll do the rest. I got you. <laughs> We're back from Stream Song Resort on ESPN 690. When we come back, uh, you like the gamble, Austin. I've got
1: something for you. It's next definitely have made it a focus point or a focal point the last five weeks six weeks we always want to start fast that's never going to change i mean anytime you uh, come out of the tunnel get excited for a football game you put a lot of work in during the week from a preparation standpoint you feel good about your first set of plays your group of plays you want to hit early and then if you don't execute you know it's a kind of a, a letdown and it takes a lot of air out of uh the energy on the field obviously you want to start fast but uh, we are trying things uh try to get the run off the ground and running last week it didn't work out i uh, got stuck at some third downs uh, obviously we didn't uh, convert on those, so it fell down early again. So, you know, we have to do a good job of trying to figure out ways to uh, either push the ball or or get some plays that are positive.
0: That is Jay Gruden, offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, off to such a good start in the first two weeks. That feels like a lifetime ago. Now this offense is sputtering, and it shouldn't be. It doesn't feel like it should be, but it is. 30 points combined over the last two weeks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A couple of uh, thoughts on our topic, which I, I still put in the top five All-time questions on this show from Austin Lane. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is a great day for you. Thank you. First Coast Bubbler says, Boise State, an argument could be made for Appalachian State, which I agree. The Michigan win was huge. But to me, the Michigan win kind of said, you know what that was? That was like Chaminade beating Virginia way back in the day. (laughs) You know, because it was like, oh, my gosh, the little guy can really be. Because we haven't even seen that in the NCAA tournament, right? 16 beating a one. We haven't seen that. So, like, when the little guy beats the big guy, it's like, oh, my goodness. But Appalachian State is a very good program. I don't think they sustained on a national level like Boise State ended up getting, uh, and certainly even UCF the last couple years. Appalachian State's very well respected. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it it got to that level as these two kind of programs, in my opinion.
2: No, I agree. I mean, it's probably like the biggest game out of any of those programs. Once again, talking about the staying power... Talking about the relevance, I just think that Boise State has a little more of that than Appalachian State does. Yeah,
0: and Appalachian State beats Michigan on like a, you know in a late September game. Even Boise State, they won the New Year's Day bowl game against yeah. Oklahoma. Against a very good Oklahoma team. <laughs> against teams. Oklahoma. Yeah. Jeff uh, Whitaker, by the way, from Dome Hats, our buddy from Dome Hats, uh, only people who think UCF has actually won a national championship in football believe this question should even be posed. Wow. Uh, Boise is the reason <laughs> that group of five teams get a seat at the table. Go watch a Fiesta Bowl versus so you and tell me anything UCF has ever done that comes close. Which... First of all, I don't know if it's that drastic. I understand the vigor for UCF here. But I do, like we said, I think Boise State is the answer to this question. I think UCF has certainly um, built off what Boise State has done or had done. And uh, they continue to do that as of uh, right now. So, uh, fun question. Jump in if you want uh, on the uh, social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and even Twitch. Who helped college football more? Boise State. Or UCF, who made a bigger impact? Uh, that's what we have been talking about.
2: And feel free to throw Murray State in there too, if you're feeling proud. Yes, <laughs> Murray you know? State.
0: Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, seriously, uh, what was the biggest win at Murray State? Uh, I, I'm not looking for a Michigan or something. I'm just asking. No, you, no. Like, what, What's your biggest win? Uh, like when I played, or just in general. Uh, maybe in general. Uh, Do you know? Like have uh, they beat somebody that like?
2: No, I mean I know that they played. I think they played Wisconsin pretty tough, if I'm not mistaken. One year, um, like kind of came down to the wire. But, like, as far as, like, the biggest win in history, um, nothing's popping out to me right now. All I know is that Woody Page once called us um, sad and uh, despicable because we played – this is my sophomore year we played Louisville and it was like Thursday night time, so we're all excited obviously Louisville comes out and like drops 70 on us so we lost like 70 to 7 and like the next day because we had you know we had televisions in the locker room right so we'd always watch like around the horn or sports center locker room before practice so we're literally watching around the horn Woody Page is on there and one of the topics is like should you know should small schools still play the big schools and the, they, they used our game footage and Woody Page <laughs> said like Murray State had no business being out there like you know like they're like the little sister or they call us like little sisters and something, something like that. But needless to say, uh, it was kind of heartbreaking to hear Woody Page talk smack about you. But I'm sure Jaguars fans can understand
0: that as well. Yeah, or nobody in Jacksonville likes Woody Page anyway, yeah. so don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Hey, uh, big news today. Did you see? Uh, the climb to 100 is now at 98.
2: The climb to 100 is now at 98. Yeah,
0: Ty Guy went to the doctor. Oh, nice. I was like, what are we talking about? I know. I was wait, so, catch so he's at 98 right now. Yeah, up uh, from June to 91 pounds. Dang. Now up to 98 pounds. Okay, uh, Ty. Grew an inch and a third. Okay. And uh, I think the growth spurt is here. It's on. I like it, man. That's big news. Like, you thought game, uh, game seven, <laughs> like the other night of the NLCS or ALCS was big? Yeah. I was like, Steph's like, yeah, I'm at the doctor's. And then she texts me, and I'm like, well, what's going on? She's yeah. like, Well, he grew an inch and a third. That means he might grow like three and a half inches like this year if it projects that way. That's huge. And so minutes, you know, so like 10, 15 minutes go by. I'm like, hey, what about the weight? Yeah, more important. I still don't know about the weight. Like, how hard is it to weigh somebody? (laughs) Everyone's got a skill at their place, especially a doctor's (laughs) office. Let's go, tie.
2: So So 98
0: pounds. 45 minutes later, I get 98 pounds. Pretty good. Here's here's what I said. Was he fired up? And uh, she's like. I fired up. Come on. He's not going to say anything. He's like, you know him. He didn't say <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. He, she did say he had a donut, a breakfast wrap, and a hot chocolate or something chocolate. Maybe okay. a chocolate shake for breakfast. Okay. And asked for a candy bar after school, though, before he went to the doctor. I like
2: it, man. Pack <laughs> <laughs> out those calories a little bit. Hey, he's a growing boy. Do what you got to do. Hey, Brent, might want to yeah. put a basketball in his hands, man, if he keeps on growing. That's all. Just saying. Nah, Just He can saying. shoot a little bit. He can okay. shoot. Okay. A little point guard action.
0: Nah, not quick enough for that. Ah. Uh, yeah. But I mean,
2: have you seen TJ McConnell play? <laughs> okay.
0: Him You're and TJ right. McConnell in a three point shooting contest. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, Alright, we'll be back uh, an hour to go here on Action Sports Acts on ESPN six ninety. I've I've got some questions for you betters out there. And uh, we'll get to some football talk as well. Should some teams in the NFL be a little bit nervous? A la the Buffalo Bills. I'll explain when we come back on ESPN six ninety. We're live at Stream Song Resort here on a Wednesday.